Welcome in, everybody. We are back with another episode of The Back Office, following a long hiatus, and with uh, week one of training camp in the books, it's time to talk all things Jaguars. Jeff, how's it going? Excellent. Uh, awesome to have football back in Jacksonville. The uh, first week of training camp, of course, is filled with everyone uh, getting super hype over uh, little Twitter clips, uh, and of course, there's lofty expectations surrounding the team. So, yeah. Uh, the uh, optimism, uh, as per usual, amongst the yearly Jaguar fan cycle is uh, at the peak of the chart, and we'll see how far that comes down. Hopefully not too far, but uh, of course, everyone's very excited. Yep, it's an exciting time to be a Jaguars fan. We, we finally have the big man uh, on campus and Urban Meyer and uh, a bunch of new faces, which we'll talk through today. Uh, where should we start, Jeff? Yeah, so let's just bring everybody up to speed, uh, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. We'll touch on the defense specifically after we've seen some practices in full pads uh, and we really start to understand uh, who's playing well uh, and what things really look like once guys start hitting each other. Uh, so for today's episode, we will talk strictly the offense and kind of give you a preview of what to expect. We have some newcomers uh, on the team from uh, the spring's draft. Uh, that we'll talk about a little bit. But overall, we just want to paint a visual of what we think this offense is going to look like with uh, three different masterminds behind it. Of course, Urban Meyer is going to have his influence. Daryl Bevel, uh, who has offensive coordinator experience coming over from Detroit. Uh, and then uh, Brian Schottenheimer, uh, who... Um, quarterback coach. Yes, quarterback coach. So uh, three very interesting and dynamic offensive coaches that are going to uh, put their heads together to create something special here. Fantastic. Um so position group number one, I think we want to talk about the offensive line, right? Yeah, you got to start with the big boys. Uh, and this <laughs> this position group is uh, probably the most familiar to Jaguars fans. Uh, they will be returning all five uh, starting offensive linemen from last year, uh, which isn't comforting. Like normally that's a pretty comforting expression to use. Like, oh yeah, they're returning the whole line. Like so much chemistry going on. And one of the few coaches that they did retain is George Warhop. Um, which was, uh, I think that says something because there's just been so much turnover throughout the entire organization, really uh, urban, you know, putting his guys where he wants and creating uh, exactly the kind of organization that he expects. But um, so, yeah, what, uh, what's your kind of, what's your barometer on the offensive line uh, considering we've already seen this unit worked? Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well. I think under normal circumstances, the continuity is a huge plus. I'd say that, you know, over the last couple of years, there, there hasn't been a ton of turnover on the line. You know, we introduced Juwan Taylor at the start of last season, or sorry, two seasons ago. Um, and he's kind of been up and down. Cam Robinson, I think he's going into, you know, the, the final year of his of his rookie deal uh, with picking up the option. Um, also kind of an up and down player, you know, had the injury earlier in his career and just haven't seen everything you need to give him a long-term deal, which is why they didn't. Um, I think that the interior of the line uh, is, a, is a bit more uh, comforting and, and kind of in place than, than the tackles. I think the big question mark for, for this team from the offensive line standpoint is going to be the tackles. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, the past few years, we have been so optimistic about these two young tackles. And unfortunately, we don't want to – we're finally starting to be honest with ourselves, but they still have some more growing to do. Uh, and the interior of the line, which features Andrew Norwell, Brandon Linder, and AJ Can, uh, all three guys on pretty nice contracts, specifically Andrew Norwell, we're, we're often pretty hypercritical, specifically those two guards. However, Agreed. if you if you look at their play grade, you know they're pretty good. Um, league average, yeah. above league average, maybe. Uh, Brandon Linder is the superstar on the line. 
uh, I think absolutely ESPN did a players and coaches poll and had him as an honorable mention for the top 10 interior offensive linemen in the league, which would peg him at like number four or five for centers. Uh, so that's, I mean, to have a top five center on your team is terrific. Uh, so it, you know, it really comes down to um, can the whole unit, like they, you know, th- this is Urban's thinking is that he has, uh, the, everyone has the physical attributes that they need. Uh, if they can take a step forward together as a unit under the direction of George yep. Warhop, that we can have an above uh, league average offensive line. So it makes me worried. I would have liked to have seen some of our uh, resources spent towards the offensive line, but, uh, you know, in Urban, we trust, I suppose. Yep. And uh, I mean, the, the one notable addition obviously came in the draft in the third round in, in Walker Little, or sorry, second round mm-hmm. in, in Walker Little. Um, pick 45 was from the Yannick trade. Pick 45. Yep. And um, was obviously a highly touted college tackle coming from Stanford. Uh, unfortunately, you know, got hurt uh, at the beginning of not last season, but the season before, and then had to sit out the season due to COVID. So a lot of big question marks. But I think if you go back and you look at the tape, uh, there's reason to be excited, excited about it. And I think that, um, you know, Urban and, and Trent, yeah, Trent Balky in, in the early days of this new regime, I've seemed pretty comfortable with taking players in, you know, potentially opportunistic situations coming off injuries. Mm-hmm. You see the same thing with Andre Cisco, which we'll touch on on the defensive portion. But so far, you know, not to overemphasize this, but you would have thought a Marvel superhero had come to Jacksonville the way that the media is talking about Walker Little. So I think one of the really interesting dynamics of this camp is going to be to see what he looks like with pads on so far. You know, if you were just to listen in to the, the radio guys, the hype train is is at absolute peak. Um, and I think that there's there's uh, an overall feeling of do we have another Baselli on our hands? But I think it's too early to know. But a really exciting thing to be watching. So I, I think if the big question marks on the outside with the tackles, maybe there's a potential uh, a potential fit here with Walker Little. It's certain, certainly comforting knowing that and this plan worked out really well for them the franchise tag Cam Robinson. Um, you know, I think he is a league average tackle. Uh, he'll be a good guy to have on the team and make sure that Trevor has a, um, you know, injury free first year. Um, but it is comforting to know that that position is locked up for the long term. Walker Little's a guy who we were intrigued by and in our mock draft, we took him, albeit much later in the draft. Um, I think all the draft pundits had significantly discounted in their rankings uh, the guys who opted out of uh, their, their season due to COVID or had any kind of injuries. And, you know, looking back at Trubalki, like you said, a history of trying to find, you know, angles to approach the draft to be opportunistic. Uh, one being guys with the injuries, he believes in uh, the knee rehabilitation yep. process. So um, he thinks that there's value there. And then, and then in this specifically, you know, unique uh, draft this year coming off of uh, the COVID season, he saw another angle. It was guys who decided to opt out who, if they hadn't opted out, likely would have been on. I would have gone higher. Right. So he worked that angle on both Walker Little and Jay Tufeli. Yeah, he definitely, you know, stuck to, you know, the word that and you already hit it a few minutes, a few seconds ago. The word he kept saying was value, 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 right? And um, he definitely let his actions do the talking. Um, I think that I think that that, uh, that could end up being a great pick. And if you think about like the offensive line, I mean, having a guy with less miles and more miles is probably a good thing. So um, if anything, maybe Walker Little sitting out for effectively two seasons ends up being a, a positive, but you know, only time will tell. Um, 
anyway, I think I think that's a good overview of the line. Uh, maybe yeah. moving on to, to the running back room. Yeah, and uh, one more note on the line that's going to transition us perfectly to talking about uh, the running back room is I do think that this line is what well positioned for run blocking. Uh, that will be a strength, uh, you know, of the two facets of the game. Uh, we, we probably should dig a little bit deeper into what kind of run blocking scheme Daryl Bevel runs, uh, whether that is uh, zone or man. But um, I do think that if given Trevor a really great running uh, running game to, to you know, they've laid Take the pressure off there. the passing game. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I so, think uh, – uh, I think good teams build on their strengths. And last year, you know, James Robinson in the rushing game was one of the very few strengths of the team. So I think that that is really interesting to watch. And James Robinson, of course, leaving this running back room, um, you know, they have always spoken positively about him, but uh, leading up to the draft, they didn't really lean into him being um, the kind of the the cornerstone of, of that side of the, um, the offense. So uh, what did they do? They went out the 25th pick, uh, took Trevor, Trevor's running mate, Travis Etienne. I think it was really smart. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree. Like, I, I think that they, uh, they certainly were maybe not non-committal, but they, they definitely didn't um, at least externally message that, that like, you know, he's a guy like he's, you know, it, w- what a talent we have. And I, I think post-draft you've seen them talk a lot of more about it and mm-hmm. part of that's probably draft positioning and making sure they were able to get a guy that they wanted but I think if you look at around the league the, the really dominant rushing attacks typically have two different running backs that have complementary strengths mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what we have now in ETN and, and Robinson I mean I, I personally think that you're going to see the majority of the touches go to Robinson at least you know through the, the, the first half of the season in the rushing attack but I think what ETN gives you that we haven't really had on the team in a while is that kind of change of pace you can move the guy outside. Like they've talked about playing him a lot at wide receiver. Um, it opens up like the jet sweep game a lot more than I think we've had. And I just think the um, keeping people off balance as we try to establish the offense, especially early in games, I can't really think of a better dynamic to have than those two. So, yeah. And I think that's a common theme that you're seeing urban install on both sides of the ball is if you want to be a championship team, you have to be scheme diverse. You know, if you want to make a run through a playoff bracket, you're going to face teams that have totally different identities to them. Um, so, you know, you're going to face teams that have a, the modern NFL identity where uh, they're going to be really lean uh, amongst their linebackers, um, really quick on their offense. Um, and then you'll run into uh, teams that, you know, like the Ravens do are quite the opposite. So um, both sides of the ball are going to be able to do a lot of different things. And that's the only way that you can get through a playoff bracket is you have to be able to come one week and run the ball down someone's throat. And then the next week be able to, you know, juke their linebackers out of their shoes. Um, you just have to be able to do it all. Uh, if you, if you don't, then somebody's going to figure that out pretty early on and you're going to run into a team that you just don't miss, you don't match up against well and you get handed an L in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think there's other reasons to be excitement in, in the room as well. You know, uh, Carlos Hyde being signed, uh, obviously his, his second stint in Jacksonville, the first one, uh, I'd say it was not even, uh, not memorable, but, but potentially kind of a head scratcher of a move, but he seems excited to be back. And I, I think, you know, God forbid anything would happen to James Robinson during the season, but you know, he's kind of the same type of player. I'd say, you know, towards the tailor end of his career, not going to put up the same production. I think we can expect out of Robinson, but a nice, you know, kind of safety blanket if, if something were to happen. 
Um, and then after that, you know, I'm not really sure who, who makes a team. I know there's a number of other running backs on the roster, but I think that'll be TBD until we, we actually see pads come on. Yeah. Um, Brock Armstead, who was on the team last year, was let go. That was a guy that we were, we were always rooting for. Uh, but he got COVID and um, this wasn't good enough to stay on the team. Um, Devin Ozigbo, another guy who's been on the team for a couple of years now. Um, but somebody that I saw at training camp who really impressed, he was the first guy that was out on the field. Uh, I thought it was Chris Ivory for a second because he wears number 33 and he has dreads. But uh, he looked really, really good. And that's Dare. Uh, his last name Ubuale. is Bawale. Oh, yeah. Hello. <laughs> All right, you're in charge of I'll uh, help you out. that yeah. one. So, yeah, yeah. I just thought, you know, I, I like that he was on the field, you know, first out of everybody after Urban, basically. Um, that's something that Urban's been doing. Is he's, he's on the field at, like, 830. Um, and just, like, the presence that he is asserting on the team is awesome. But uh, this guy looked really good uh, in shorts. So someone to keep a, a close eye on. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and I think they probably end up keeping four. So maybe maybe that's the guy. Um, all right, what do we got next? Um, so spoke a little bit about the running game. Let's touch on the wide receivers. And this uh, is probably the strongest unit on the team and certainly the most exciting. Everybody loves wide receivers. Uh, and so yep. this is what really could take this offense to, you know, a top 15 offense in the league is the talent that we have at wide receiver. Uh, and it is a three-headed monster between uh, DJ Chark, uh, who is in the fourth year of his deal in his career. Um, LaVisca Chenault, who is in the second year of um, his career, and then Marvin Jones, who is a nine-year veteran uh, coming uh, over from Detroit with Daryl Bevel. Uh, so three really interesting, um, very athletic, big wide receivers. Yep. And no, you know, as of now, I think this will kind of change as we get to see more, um, at least I'm excited to see more in, in this regard, is, you know, none of those three scream like, true number one guy you're going to see the um the defense have to react to that guy being on the field at least as of yet right i, mean, I think mm -hmm. jones is probably the closest in his career but is you know admittedly a bit further on being a nine-year vet probably isn't commanding the same type of attention as he did maybe four or five years ago though he's come off i think four consecutive seasons of, of a thousand yards and, and close to double digit touchdowns so definitely not diminishing that he's a force to be reckoned with. I think he definitely is. Um, but it'll be interesting to see like if somebody emerges as that guy, or if it really is, you know, catches by committee across all of them. And I, I don't know if, if there's one way that's better than the other for a young quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, um, maybe it is a pretty even distribution. I think we'll talk about that some more, but those three are definitely really interesting. And then after that, I think you, you have even more kind of questions, right? You know, you have Colin Johnson returning, big six foot six target, kind of could maybe used at some point as your Joker move tight end. Um, you've got Jalen Camp, who was drafted in the sixth round this year, who by all accounts early in camp looks incredibly athletic and could potentially be a huge difference maker for the team. You brought in uh, Philip Dorsett, speedy guy, most recently played for the Colts. Um, I don't have a great read on that yet. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And then Jamal Agnew, um, who seems to fit more of Urban's, um, you know, special team specific player, uh, was obviously a prolific punt and kick returner um, on the prior teams he was on. Um, I'm not sure if I'm missing anybody, but, I, I, you know, you got a pretty wide basket of, of these guys. And, I, and lastly, you know, Laquan Treadwell being signed in the last few weeks, um, you know, hasn't played a whole lot the last few years, but uh, coming out of college was very highly you know, regarded and talked about. So a lot of options there. Yeah. And 
just to keep uh, going along with the theme, you know, that's exactly what they're trying to do is they want to be able to uh, approach week to week, look at what a defense's weaknesses are. And we have a wide receiver that can do that. Can um, so, that. Yeah. so if they have little corners, we have LaVisca Chenault, who's going to bully them. Um, if they have big corners, we have Travis Etienne and potentially, you know, Philip Dorsett um, to run circles around them. Uh, so how many, how many do you think they're going to keep out of that, out of that group? You know, we, we just named what six or seven guys. It'll probably be five wide receivers and then Jamal Agnew, which yeah. I, I think Jamal Agnew can do a lot uh, in the receiving game as well. Yeah, just hasn't yeah. really been used that way a lot. Yeah, like, that was I definitely agree. some of the rhetoric that was coming out after we signed the him in free agency. Is that you know that he is certainly not just a punt and kick returner. Although uh, haven't heard his name a lot in camp. Uh, I think he might be a little banged up right now. So. Um, something to watch to see if he gets any more any reps at wide receiver. But um, you know, talking about the three guys that are really going to make or break uh, that room, um, which is so interesting. Like I think they all three of them have a, a similar ceiling of talent or ability of talent. Um, certainly, Marvin Jones has flashed, and he just looks so polished because I mean, you know, he's a veteran. Um, but he and Trevor already seem to have that connection to where like when Trevor needs to fall back on somebody and, you know, this is a characteristic characteristic of a true number one, but it's going to be Marvin Jones because he's a guy who has an incredible uh, catching radius, incredible body control. He and DJ share a lot of similar qualities, um, but the ability to get contested catches and control your body on the sideline and keep your feet in bounds, um, and the way that Trevor throws guys open, uh, putting the ball up in, um, you know, the catch window, um, that's something that he and Marvin are already seem to have a ton of chemistry with. Uh, so I'd expect a really big year out of Marvin Jones. Uh, and then, but from everything that you hear and read, you know, so far in training camp, people are just buzzing over LaVisca Chanel. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. It, yeah, you, you would, you would have thought that, um, uh, that he's already been to four or five Pro Bowls the way he's been talked about, which is super exciting to, to see that all come together. Um, yeah, no, I, I think thus far in camp, given everything we've been able to read and see and hear um, from the media, it definitely seems like the, the acquisition of Marvin Jones was, was very smart, right? I mean, you brought in a guy that has a lot of experience, like you said, the, the ability to go up and get contested balls. Um, and, you know, the chemistry, like you said, is, it already seems to be there. I thought it was super cool. And I know we're going to touch on Trevor later, but that the three of them and, and Trevor Lawrence went up to Clemson and worked out for a couple of days together. I just, I just think that that room seems to be kind of cohesive at, at a point in time where you wouldn't necessarily expect that from a rookie quarterback. And, and uh, you know, two wide receivers are on the team last year who are young themselves and a vet that got brought in um, from very far away. Um, it's just gonna be really interesting to see that that come together. I think I think that room uh, has the ability to really exceed expectations from from outsiders. I think people who follow the Jaguars are already really excited, which is cool. Yeah, and what everyone's saying about Lavisca is that he has added speed this year. And you know, last year he was effective, but you really thought of him as like um, a wide receiver who ran like a running back. Yeah, it was yards uh, after catch. Like, it, you're just it, running people over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, he ran like he wanted it, you know, like the turf had done something to him. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was r ripping it up underneath his feet. Uh, and this year he looks, like, smooth. Seeing him cut cut in and out of breaks, you know, he looks like a polished wide receiver. And that's scary. Because if he can start creating separation, um, 
you know, with his routes as opposed to just like botting people up. Um, yep. He's going to be a really dynamic receiver. Uh, I, th- I think Marvin Jones is the guy that you see like every third down, just like catch a ball, um, you know, on a five yard out. And he and Trevor look like they've been doing it for like, you know, 10 years together. Um, yep. And then I think LaVisca is the guy that has those 150 yard games that you're just like, this guy can't be stopped right now. Like this matchup is just too much for, uh, this opposing defense. And then you have DJ Chark, which DJ Chark has been, we've been flirting with this idea of, is he a true number one or not? Should we pay him now since his contract uh, is about to expire before, you know, he hits his huge, you know, epic season with Trevor Lawrence and he prices himself out of our budget. Uh, but it's been pretty quiet from him so far in camp. And, you know, I, that might just be because there are two other shiny toys that we don't talk about enough, but um uh, I, yeah. it makes me a little worried. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're waiting to pay DJ. Uh, I think he ultimately uh, could get a little bit, uh, I don't know, uh, overshadowed in this wide receiver room. Yeah, it certainly seems that way early in camp. I mean, there was a lot of talk kind of as camp started about how impressed um, the team uh, officials, specifically Urban, was to kind of the call to action of, hey, like, you know, last season you weren't nearly physical enough. We need, we need more physicality out of you, DJ. And him coming into camp a lot bigger, a lot stronger, a lot faster. Um, but yeah, it's been quiet. You've, you've heard tons about Visca, tons about Marvin Jones, and DJ doesn't seem to be getting as much airtime. So it'll be, uh, be interesting how that, that kind of unravels as we, as we get into the, the part of camp where the DBs can actually break on the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's going to be right, special, we'll, though. All, all three of those guys can track a deep ball so well that and trevor lawrence throws such an accurate deep ball that um they, they all share common characteristics but they're i'm probably not smart enough to be able to really describe what makes them different um but they're both athletic they're all three of them are athletic freaks so uh, it's something really to be excited about yeah no it'll be fun um all right tight ends i think uh from my vantage point i'm not sure if you agree this is just a huge question mark um I think a lot of Jaguars fans, and I, I put myself in, the, in this camp, at least as of right now, a little bit surprised and pr- maybe a little bit frustrated that um, there wasn't a bigger signing as it relates to the tight end room. Um, you know, part of that could be that they feel so good about the wide receivers, plus, you know, the, the clear indication that ETN is also going to kind of play a hybrid wide receiver role that maybe this offense just kind of revolves more around those position groups, the wide receivers and running backs, and it does it around tight end. Um, the one notable acquisition, you know, in free agency at least, was the addition of, of Manhurts, um, who by all accounts, and you can comment better than I can because you, you went to camp last week, is far more athletically gifted um, outside of blocking. And he was kind of portrayed as in, in the process. I think that all we heard was, yeah, this guy's basically a swing tackle and he's going to come in and manhandle people in the run game. But, you know, if you look at him, at least in, in pictures and video, seems a lot more smooth, a lot more athletic, um, not just a power forward, which I think is kind of how, how he's been, he's been characterized thus far. So I think that's really interesting. Um, we drafted Luke Farrell um, late in the draft. That's another interesting one. Obviously has a history with Irvin Meyer being recruited to Ohio state. Um, kind of a similar story as Manor. It's very much more, this guy's a blocker, not, not going to create a ton of separation. He also got taken in the draft ahead of some guys that we had talked about that maybe were a bit more of a receiving threat. There's a lot of, a lot of buddy, buddy in the tight end room. 
It yeah, makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. For sure. And then, you know, then you've got kind of the mainstays, at least over the last couple of years. Um, you got uh, James O'Shaughnessy coming back. I know he, he was held out of camp a couple of days last week. It seems like nothing serious. And I think they even announced that he'll be back on Monday. So it'll be interesting. <laughs> He's always had really great rapport with Gardner. So, I'm, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how, how that develops with, with Trevor. Um, then you've got Ben Ellison, who got called out specifically at Darren Bevel last week around, around how good of shape he came into camp in. Um, which is interesting. You got Tyler Davis out of Georgia Tech, who again, like always talked about in the draft process as a blocking tight end, um, had a few touchdowns at Connecticut before he transferred to Tech, but uh, while he was at Georgia Tech, really didn't catch a lot of balls. Um, and then finally, the the ultimate question mark, Tim Tebow, um, who I did see had a, a big touchdown catch the other day in red zone work with, with Lawrence. So it got a bunch of hoots and hollers from the fans. So yeah, overall, I mean, like a lot of pieces, a lot of unknown. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Well, uh, not to add to your anxiety about uh, how they're going to use the tight ends, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, or maybe this will be a good thing, but uh, apparently from camp, there have been a lot of two tight end sets. Um, and so when you're using two tight ends, you have your Y tight end, which is going to be your inline blocker um, who, you know, might block and leak out for a pass, but they're not trying to stretch the field or, you know, run any kind of complicated route. Uh, and then you have the F tight end group, which is going to be, uh, a tight end that's, you know, more, the blocking responsibilities, probably just like a, a chip block. And then they're out there to be a receiver. Um, so I heard when Tyler Bowen, the tight end coach was talking to the group, uh, they do have specified Y group and F groups. Um, Interesting. so every one of those tight ends has been boxed into one of those roles. Um, and I would expect a lot of those formations this year, which it feels like a crime when you could have like, you know, all three of those wide receivers out there or, um, you know, I guess you could have two running back sets. So it would be a shame to see a lot of like Chris Van Hurts and James O'Shaughnessy on the field uh, with, you know, a guy like, you know, LaVisca on the bench. Uh, but we'll see. Heard a lot of good things about O'Shaughnessy as well, um, but Manhurts definitely looks like he can move. Like he, in no way did he – he looked like one of the more athletic guys of the group, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, I think a tight end outside of really the top three in the league uh, or top four, um, a tight end is really molded by the offense that they play in and the quarterback yep. that they play, play with. So – you know, I think you can get production out of that position without necessarily having uh, any kind of the most acclaimed guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think that's a, uh, that'll be a storyline to watch. Um, Cause I, I think it also kind of evolve as the season goes on. Um, and for now, you know, it makes sense to have a lot of them in camp. I mean, I don't see a scenario where they keep more than four. I think most teams keep three and, and, and maybe you position someone wink, wink as, more of a fullback or a, like a, a Swiss army knife kind of guy. Um, and I, I think that we both know who, who might fit in that role uh, given this coaching staff, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like I, you know, I kind of came into to camp a little bit, you know, not frustrated, but um, you know, quizzical, if you will, around like where was their, where were their collective heads at when they put this together because um, to your point a minute ago, I mean, it does seem like on the surface, they're all kind of the same guy with maybe the exception of O'Shaughnessy. And then Tebow is like his own thing because he's never played the position. Um, but, you know, the idea that they are, you know, kind of segmenting them into these two different categories is interesting. And 
and you know that's why these guys get paid a lot of money to assess talent it's you know they, they have a vision for it and they've seen a lot more of it than than the observer has so um again in, in urban we trust let's let's give them a pass until we get to see it yeah it's definitely uh promising to see o'shaughnessy already back to form like he has looked really athletic in camp and he's coming off of an acl injury so that's that's great and i'm really excited to see chris manhurts once the paths go on because you just look at those you know six or seven guys they they, they warmed up right in front of the, the stands when we went to training camp and you look at all those guys and you know they all look like gym rats just regular six foot three to six foot five gym rats uh, <laughs> and then there's chris manhurts and you're like whoa so if he can find his uh, stride uh, as a receiver, I think uh, that could be a really nice acquisition for us. Yeah, yeah, 100%. All right, and we're finally here. The, the, the moment you've been waiting for. Um, the crown there's prince. A, there's, there's a new face of the franchise. His name is Trevor Lawrence. Um, thank you, New York Jets. We are quite appreciative. Um, I think so far the Jets fans, at least the ones that I'm aware of, are uh, a little bit bummed in the relative trade between who they ended up with and who we ended up with. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it goes without saying. I know there's been a lot of talk that we've got a camp battle between Gardner and, and Lawrence. And don't get us wrong, Jeff and I are the two biggest Gardner fans on the face of the earth. But I don't think it's much of a battle. I mean, you pick this guy number one, he's looked the part so far. Um, I think it's smart that, you know, they're getting both reps with, uh, with, with both the ones and the twos, but I, I think as soon as pads come on and, and the, the offense is really going from kind of installation phase to execution phase, yeah, there's, there's a clear number one quarterback on the roster. Um, and that's the first time we've been able to say that in a long time. So, yeah, they like, they like played their games with Trevor the first day and gave Gardner, you know, 27 reps uh, with the, with the ones uh, and left Trevor, you know, getting, back in the getting, teens somewhere like 13 yeah. or 14 so they played a, they played some mind games there with the rookie the first day but you know it's just undeniable the way he throws the ball it, it is something special he's looked really poised in uh, camp so far um, just as a professional together he has just made every right move and I, yep. he hasn't really opened up entirely who is advising him um, I know he talks to Peyton Manning um, a good bit uh, but I think, and I think that's a really good comparison for him, uh, at least as a person. Uh, um, yeah. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So he, he's done all the right. He's done all the right things. He's saying all the right things, um, and he's so far, at least in short, um, is doing all the right things. Yeah, and I think you've you've heard like you know the little sound bites you get from the players when they're asked about him. Obviously, it's it's uh, it's a huge topic, kind of from an inbound standpoint and outbound standpoint from the players. You know, you get very small comments here and there but I think that while he's a little bit not necessarily soft-spoken but maybe reserved a bit with the media and stuff so far I don't get the sense that that's true in the locker room I, I think that he's a very vocal leader and and you saw like we already talked about it so I don't want to hit it too much again but you know the fact that he took his three starting wide receivers or uh, presumably the starting wide receivers uh, up to Clemson to work out as a rookie like I, I think that's super cool. I think that that shows you that there's um, he, he knows how to build, you know, that that camaraderie and those relationships early. And that's what matters. Right. Like you're not going to make it deep in the playoffs if you don't have rapport with, with all your guys. Um, so 
I'm, I'm super excited to, to watch that continue to develop and, and him kind of, you know, becoming the, you know, the actual face of the franchise. He obviously is, but, but kind of to own it, if you will. I think that's super cool. Um, we haven't been able to do that in a while. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think the, the battle's all but over again. Love you, G. Um, but uh, also, you know, might as well hit on that though. Like, I don't think Gardner's going anywhere. I think the fears that, that we were going to ship him off for picks, either, you know, we didn't get a good enough offer or they realized pretty early on, like, oh, you know, this guy, he's not only a serviceable backup quarterback, but he's actually like a, a pretty fringe um, starter for a lot of other teams. Um, and given the right opportunity, you know, he might may actually shine. So I think having somebody like that as insurance, at least for the, the short term, makes a ton of sense. Um, so I, I hope they keep him around because I, I love me some Gardner. Yeah. Although if, cause he has performed well in camp, uh, you know, his issue is once he's under any kind of duress, he, his, you know, his mind just like um, fritzes out. But um, if he continues to look uh, pretty good in camp, considering the challenges that the NFL is facing this year, um, this season, and just the natural um, progression of how injuries happen. Uh, I do think that there's gonna be plenty of opportunities to send him off for some kind of compensation if, yeah, in the future. if they don't, you know, really care much about um, having a solid, you know, backup quarterback. Um, although I think Gardner does kind of stand out from the other two guys, Beathard and Luton. Uh, but like, for example, what happened yesterday with Kirk Cousins, um, Kirk Cousins uh, isn't vaccinated. He's being $45 million against the cap this year. And somebody in the QB room gets COVID because he's not vaccinated. He has to go through different protocol. He's going to miss the next 10 days. And like that is just huge, huge yeah. for their team. Um, yeah. And look like, at what happened with with Wentz too. Wentz is already banged up. Mm-hmm. Um, if they sent Gardner to Indy, though, I'd lose my mind. So please, please, Urban, don't send him to Indy. Um, but yeah, you're already seeing it. Like I mean, it it, if it's not COVID, it's injuries. And and um, yeah, I mean, I think it makes a tremendous amount of sense to keep Gardner on this roster. And, you know, Bethard, you know, he's owed a decent amount of guaranteed money. I think, I think it's might even be $5 million. I mean, it's, it's a decent chunk of change. Loon's obviously super cheap. Um, I think one of those guys, you, you, you know, they'll make it through waivers and you put them on the practice squad and, and we'll, we'll keep three effectively. But I think you're two on week one or, or T-Law at, at QB1 and, and Gardner at QB2. So. Yeah. Um... And but, but back to Trevor, um, you know, there's gonna be all this hype about, you know, how great he's playing and stuff. We're gonna find out a lot more next week once, as you mentioned, uh, the defense can not only start hitting, but they can actually make plays on the ball. So you see these like outrageous stat lines from Trevor. Um, a lot of those balls would have been broken up or intercepted. So um, let's not get too excited too ahead of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, Trevor has provided honest evaluations of himself, both Trevor and Urban. Um, and it's been good, but obviously room for improvement. Um, the biggest thing in my mind for this offense to work, because there are so many playmakers, it's just, you know, and this has like been my biggest worry all offseason is we're bringing back the same five dudes that we saw last year. And it's really placing a ton of blame on Gardner. Like it's a full indictment of the reason yeah. the offensive line didn't work is because Gardner Minshew can't see over the effing line. Yeah. <laughs> and he has to scramble to, you know, as soon as any kind of uh, pressure is made. So 
but if you give Trevor Lawrence time in this offense, oh my goodness. I mean, the guy can go through three or four reads um, in a very quick progression. Uh, you just give him the time to be able to, to plant and make throws. And it's, it's going to be uh, a really fun offense to watch. Agreed. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I think that's the, um, you know, if you're thinking about building this, this roster into hopefully something resembling a dynasty over, over the next 10 years, I think what you care about early is that the offense is starting to click. I'm sure there's going to be places where we're going to have to plug holes next year. It's not totally built. Right. I think, you know, hitting definitely the offensive line, it still remains a big outstanding question for everybody, but if, if the offense starts to click early, I think it's a really good indication that we're on the right path. So it's going to be really fun. I can't a wait. A question for you. Vegas has Trevor Lawrence's passing yards at 4,150. So if you had to divvy up uh, those, let's call it 4,000 yards, uh, where, where are they where, going? Yeah, where do you think it's going to be spread around the offense? <sighs> yeah, that's a tough one. And I've got a, calc- um, got a calculator for you, so just go ahead and rattle keep- them. Keep, keep, keep me honest. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I could see. I think Marvin Jones is going to be a thousand yard guy. I'm going to go with. I'm going to actually go a little bit above that though. I'm going to say Marvin Jones leads the wide receivers with 1,200 yards, okay. which would be a, a big season. But I think for all the points you laid out, like at least early on, it seems like. That's where Trevor's head's going, right? Um, you know, now the split, you know, starting with wide receivers and then we can go to the other groups, but uh, the split between Visca and DJ Chark, I think is really interesting. I think you've kind of echoed in the past when we've talked offline that, you know, maybe Chark is, is your third guy, which is crazy to me given how good of a season he, he had two seasons ago. Obviously last year was a, a huge step backward, but um I think I'd give the, I think I give a slight nod to Visca. Um, I think he's probably also, let's give him, I think, 900 yards. Um, so now I'm at what, 2,100? Uh, 1,900. 1,900. No, because I said 1,200 for MJJ. Yeah, we're going off 4,000 yards total. No, I know, but I'm saying the, the total as of now is 2,100, right? Okay. I've given away 2,100 yards. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then Visca, I'm oh, sorry, uh, Chark, I think, um, 600 so now we're at we're at 2600 yeah okay i think i think chart could i I just don't see three guys getting close to that that thousand yard mark and i I think the flip is going to be between visca and chark um and thus far in camp i think that that you know all indications would be that visca kind of has the leg up in that um then i think they've made it super clear that ETN is getting a bunch of touches, at least in the receiving game to start. And probably as the season goes on, take some of the carries away from Robinson. Uh, I'm going to give him, I think it, when he was, I think at Clemson last year, he had 500 yards, roughly speaking, I'm going to give him 500. Um, so what are we at now? So I got 2,100 plus the 600 for risk of 2,700. So we're at 3,200 yards. So I got 800 to give away. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, the wacky part. I, I, I bet you get another 200 uh, receiving from James Robinson. Um, and then I think the remainder gets split between uh, O'Shaughnessy and Manhurts. I think those are the, the two last kind of recipients. What, what do you think? Did, it, did I kind of hit all – I think I hit the major buckets. Yeah, yeah, yeah most definitely. No, you did that perfectly. Um, yeah, I, I agree with it. You know, barring injury, of course. Um, yeah, I, I think DJ could be – 
don't know. It's been really interesting to see how it all fleshes out. Um, I, I just am curious to see where Trevor gravitates towards, and that's why I think Marvin Jones, I would agree, would be the number one guy um, and Visca number two. But uh, it certainly will be fascinating, and I think week to week you'll see guys uh, receiving totals dramatic, dramatically different. Shift around, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, especially as just, you know, whatever – the matchup calls for that's um, you know what we're going to deliver against uh, opposing defenses. So you'll, you'll yeah. see, you'll see things fluctuate and ebb and flow. Yeah. And what a welcome, I know we've already kind of hit on this, but what a welcome change that is that it's not like we're running our scheme and, and they're reacting. It, it's like, no, let's, let's actually play offense in the truest sense of the word, right? Like let's put a defense on their toes and they've definitely done a, you know, at least an adequate, but probably a great job once the season plays out and we look back, on it of putting those different kind of chess pieces together so that you can't you can't just fit us into one box right I mean I think there's a couple different looks that you can see from from this team and um again assuming that that the quarterback no matter who it is has time to deliver the football um I think that that's the kind of the one the one thing that makes this this whole thing more tenuous is like if if the tackles, no matter who it is, can't give him time, um, it's it's a bit it's a bit shakier, I think. So, but yeah, that's why we have pads coming on next week and we get to see how the line plays. <laughs> so yeah, back to your point, you know, just about uh, it being so refreshing to have um, flexibility within the scheme. Uh, something that Daryl Bevel said in an interview recently was that uh, somebody asked them about you know what can we expect out of your offense? And he was very quick to say, well, uh, it's not my offense. I have the concepts that, you know, I feel comfortable with. And, you know, a lot of the um, logistical things and um, verbiage and stuff from the offense is carried over, but uh, certainly Urban and Brian Schottenheimer have, um, you know, their, their say in adding to the playbook, but specifically his goal is to mold this entire offense around the players that we have. Um and so, like, you're already seeing things. I don't, I don't think this is a surprise to anybody, but, this, you know, I saw in practice uh, um, a jet sweep uh, to LaVisca uh, early in practice. And that was something that, you know, we figured, okay, well, that's something that he does really well. You know, go and make a corner, try and tackle him. Uh, yeah, in the open field. Yeah. So uh, things like that where the offense is going to be tailored to the guys that we have. And I think that means a lot of really deep, uh, passing concepts with uh, DJ and Marvin um, and a lot of just getting the ball to LaVisca um, and letting him play make with it. And I think the same goes for Travis Etienne. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Well, any last thoughts? Um, that's a lot about the offense. And of course, we'll have a lot more insight to share, but uh, you know, I think that's uh, at least from the information that we have now, the best that we can kind of project for uh, what to expect yep. this season. No, I think, I think we've hit all the major points. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot um, as a preview for when we talk about the defense pads are coming on Monday, tomorrow, uh, as of this recording, before we see anything at all, like who's the one guy you're most excited to see on the defense. On the defense. Um, yeah, it's tough, but I'm really excited about uh, Roy Robertson Harris. That's uh, a good one. You know, he it was the one 
you know, like name brand defensive lineman that we, we got in free agency. Um, and so I'm really excited to see what he has to do because uh, in Chicago, it seemed like Chicago fans were really upset to, to have lost him. So he yep. could be a, a budding star. So uh, I'm definitely excited. To, I'm nervous, but excited to see what he can bring to the uh, defensive line. No, I think that's a really good one. And in a, in a name that I, I don't think a lot of people have been talking about him yet as to how important that probably is. I think, I think if, if that, if that acquisition would be, you know, a, a, a less than good acquisition, I think the offensive, I mean, sorry, the defensive line is kind of in a weird precarious position. Um, I'm going to stick the same theme, move it outside. Uh, I think this one's easy too. I'm giving Josh Allen a bunch of benefit of the doubt that he's going to kind of return to form. Maybe he's not a 13 sack guy this season or something like that, but I want to at least see him get the numbers back up to where they were when, when he had more of a complimentary pass rush around him, which makes my number one to watch. And I think is pretty easy. Um, I think chase on like if, if he can develop into somebody that, you know, moving him back to his more natural position as a three, four backer, instead of having his hand in the dirt, if we can see some of the flashes of what you saw at LSU, um, I think that the whole thing kind of starts to fit together a little bit better. I think without that, uh, I, I don't know where the pass rush is going to come from mm-hmm. outside of that kind of coming together. And so that's what I want to see is, is how he looks in that, in that role. Um, and then beyond that, I think just overall, I think the defense is way more, you know, what is this going to look like than, mm-hmm. than the offense? I think, I think, you know, if you were to pick, where do you, what do you feel pretty good about? I think everybody would say offense. So I'm, I'm excited for our episode next week. Yeah, same. I think we'll have a, a lot of good insight to share, specifically uh, Joe Colin's scheme that he's rolling out. What is that going to look like? What's the rotation going to look like? What is the depth chart? How does it start to stack up? Because uh, there's a lot of names in the shuffle. Um, so we'll be really interesting to see how it all shakes out. Uh, but yeah, I, I would agree. You'll probably be able to keep up and get more answers to questions, uh, keeping an eye on Caleb on uh, because he is such an important piece of the puzzle. And uh, in training camp, they do um, those one-on-one drills with uh, the tackles. So it'll be really fun to see him going up against, uh, you know, both starters. Taylor and, and C-Rob. And, yep. And, and, and Superman himself, Walker Little. <laughs> yeah. You know, Walker Little, I want to get excited about him and like, we were on the beat early uh, with him. So we were both like, when he first got drafted, we were like, ooh, that was a reach because, you know, in all our rankings we've seen the simulators that we've done, you know, he's a sixth round or fifth round pick. Uh, but then like we, there's obviously a disconnect there. Um, and so a lot of the league like praised the pick. Um, but seeing him like walk around, he's like a little bit loafy. Like he doesn't look like the most, I mean, of course he's six foot seven, so you can't miss him, but he does look a little loafy, but then, like, once you turn on the tape, um, he moves so smoothly. Uh, yep. So I think he has, like, a little bit of growing up to do still, which is why I am perfectly fine, like, cashing our check on Cam Robinson and putting the mileage on him for this year. Yeah. Um, Let don't him duke it out. That, I don't think it was that significant in the talent difference. Um, but certainly, I think a year – in this new um, conditioning program uh, and, you know, player development program that Urban's put together, which he like continues to harp on as like such an important element of success uh, for the organization. I think, I think all these, all these guys, one more year or one full year in the program. And you're going to see a lot of guys, uh, you know, 
yeah, yeah develop and achieve their their potential. Uh, but James, James yeah. Robinson, James Robinson is a guy though that and you were the one who really told me this, and I saw it too uh, on Twitter. Um, certainly a guy who has come in and looks even more impressive athletically. So that's really yeah. exciting. If, he, if he's going to take a step forward, we're going to have a really nasty running duo. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for him. I, I, I think uh, I kind of like the fact that he got kind of snubbed at the, last, at the end of last year, kind of across the board. I mean, he didn't get the kind of recognition I think that he probably deserved. And so I think he's coming in with a bit of a fire, which is, I, I think that's what you want. He, he's a super nice guy and like all his interviews he's been so cordial and like he and Travis are definitely like type B kind of guys are quiet um both insanely talented you'd expect them to be like cocky as hell but like they're both very very quiet reserved dudes um and so James Robinson just has a smile on his face but not him I am like just I have to be pissed off like yeah, you yeah. kind of go underappreciated. Like the coach doesn't really say a lot about you early on in this, you know, in the process. And then they go and draft a guy to carries away from you. And you're making the Coming least amount a huge year. Yeah. And you're <laughs> making the least amount of money on the team. I mean, that's got to be a really tough position to be in. But, you know, I don't know. Urban is, uh, he definitely knows how to pull the psychological strings on guys. And uh, I'm sure. Like, for example, he's been picking on DJ Chark all camp. Uh, DJ Chark had a drop that it was a ball thrown right at his face at, like, you know, like point blank range, and he didn't catch it. Uh, very tough catch. But uh, afterwards, like, Urban was chirping him, like, hey, DJ, like, chirping him. Uh, so <laughs> that's a guy that Urban is really trying to. Another guy who physically has already added a ton of muscle, which he needed to. Uh, but yeah. Urban's playing games with guys, and I love it. Yep. Uh, I think that's a good place to end it. Urban yep. and mind games. Um, yep. Well, this was so fun. Welcome back, Jaguars fans. This is going to be an awesome next month until we uh, we get to see him on the field for real. Um, yeah, kickoff week one is, what, 40 days away, 45 days away? Wild. We're back, baby. We're back. So, yeah, we'll uh, catch up with you guys uh, in a week or two with some analysis on the defense. But – Thanks for tuning in. If you're still with us, go Jags. Um, and this is in the back office. Oh. Duval.